Hi, and welcome to the Core Church Podcast. Our vision is to experience Christ's heart and to share His heart with others. Are you ready to learn more about Him? Let's dive into this week's message. Y'all ready for this morning? Yes, well, church, I am honored to be with you this morning, and I'm honored to speak a word that's been on my heart. I told my husband that I feel like God has prepped me for a lot of years for this very specific message, and I take that personally. I really do. I take it seriously. And, uh, you know, something I always say, but I feel like it's a reminder that Nick and I do this together. I just need you guys to know that I am under his authority, under his covering. And so anything that I speak up here is something that we both stand together. And I don't say anything that he doesn't agree with. And even when he speaks too, we are on the same page. We are unified. So I just pray that y'all would know that about us, that we don't want to ever be divided in who we are what we say and so I'm just excited that you know something that's been put on my heart is also things that I've learned from him that he's taught me he's my pastor too y'all okay he is the hottest pastor I can say that y'all can say he's dope and sexy but I can say he's dope and sexy and it means something different okay (laughs) but we are in unison together okay we are in our last week of through the window Last week, we've been talking about so many incredible things. I just believe that God has opened the door for more and more healing, more in restoration, more freedom. Nick has talked about even just how the acts of the flesh or the mind or worshiping idols have really opened windows for the enemy to come in our life. And how we have to shut those windows, right? So again, I just really feel like, you know, when Nick talked to me about the series and he said, Emily, I want you to preach in this series. And we talked about the things that, you know, we've just seen in ministry, things that we've been just being revealed within the word about that really apply to this. I knew exactly what I wanted to speak about. It just, again, it was right there. I feel like I've been prepped for this. And so just a reminder to you, the enemy hates the year of demolishing strongholds, right? We are in the year of demolishing strongholds. If this is your first time here, Nick has set a vision over the year of 2023 based on his uh, time with the Lord that it's time to demolish strongholds. So we're actually wrapping that up this year. We got a couple months left, but God's not done. He's not finished in the business of demolishing strongholds. He is something new for you. He wants to continue to do that. But guess what? The enemy hates it. He hates that we're taking these steps. He hates that we're putting stuff up here on this freedom wall back here. He hates the year of demolishing strongholds. So how I want to start off today is just reminding us of our year scripture. Put that up here. Y'all better know this. I hope it's already highlighted in the word. But I would honestly, I'd list that a purple. Mine's probably a purple. I don't know if y'all consider it famous, but it's famous to me at this point, okay? All right, come on. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Someone say, I take captive. Every thought to make it obedient obedient to Christ. Listen, (laughs) you know, I was... uh, just thinking about this scripture and I'm sure that we either all know that person or we are that person most of us are where you walk into their kitchen and they got signs everywhere that says live laugh love or even maybe some scripture too for I know the plans I have for you listen this is something I think that really should be in everyone's home okay because this isn't just words that we read these are things that we just say out loud this is a war cry right here this is a stance this is a promise a command that we've been given to take captive every thought and you know what if you are that person that has live love love listen by all means you do what you want to do that's okay but also can I just challenge us when we leave the house we should be thinking of this every morning every morning reminding myself I'm about to go out in the world where there's false doctrine false beliefs philosophies opinions TED talks whatever it may be I need to be reminded of that that I've been commanded and I have the authority to take that captive every thought do y'all believe that some of us need to be stirred up in that this morning you don't have to be shouting it down just to, to believe that I know I'm loud but y'all can, y'all can stand in that too. That's a battle cry. 
That's a battle cry. Demolishing arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's that. Satan, get behind me today. That's what that is. And y'all have done so much work for that. Nick and I have seen so much freedom in this past year. I've seen deliverance. I've seen healing. I've seen marriages restored this past year. I've seen families brought into the church. I've seen it. But even as the strongholds fall, does the enemy give up at that point? No. He doesn't give up. He hates when we take those steps. He hates when we get baptized. He hates when we give our lives to our Lord and Savior. He hates it. He hates to see the strongholds broken. He doesn't just give up. And so that brings me to our series scripture here, right in John 10, 1. And this portion of scripture, this is Jesus talking, and this portion of scripture is called the Good Shepherd. And you see, church, Jesus is our Good Shepherd, amen? He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And this is what he's trying to tell us is that he knows every single thing about us as his sheep. He is tending the flock. He is leading us. He is guiding and guarding us. So he knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows what you like and what you don't like. He is a good shepherd. Amen? He is. And he says here, he says, Truly I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. And to understand what he's trying to say here, we need to look at the role of a shepherd. And so in biblical times, what would happen is the shepherd would create a pen to keep the flock in, okay? To protect them. And there would be an opening, maybe not necessarily a door with a gate all the time, but there would be an opening. So there was one way in and one way out. And that shepherd would guard that opening at all times. He actually would sleep in the opening so no one could come in through that door. And so what Jesus is saying, though, that if you can't enter through the door, that the robbers, the thieves, they come in through what we would call today a window, right? It would come in through a window. And as Nick has said every single time he's brought this up, that the only intention of a robber or a thief is not to have a cup of coffee with us, right? Not to have a great conversation. But they only intend to harm, correct? So we see that here of what John 10.10 10 says. The thief, the enemy, the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so they would have life and have it abundantly. Because he is the good shepherd. Some of us may be going through it. We've either gone through hell and back or we feel like we're still there. But we need to remember, yes, that is the enemy's intent. But Jesus has come to give you life and life to the full. You got to remind yourself of that part. got to remind yourself. So, the enemy is still looking for a foothold. Even when the stronghold is demolished, he is relentless. He's looking through that, he's looking for that open window, church. And the word actually instructs us not to give him a foothold, not to even give him the smallest little inch, not to even give open the, the window just a crack, not to give him a foothold. In another translation, it actually says, you can you guys can put this up here. In the next uh, translation in the NASB, or as Shannon would call it, the NASB version. <laughs> it says do not give the devil an opportunity don't give him even the slightest opportunity and so the reason this was on Nick's heart to bring to our attention are what are the opportunities that are creating the foothold for the enemy to open that window we're the ones who are opening the window so he can creep in so how do we shut the window that's, we have to be aware of those things. Because we open the window. We give the opportunity and allow the enemy, the devil. Some of us, we always say the enemy, but I just want you all to be clear. That's Satan. That's the devil. You can say, okay, we don't got to be afraid of it. No, we trample him in the name of Jesus. But we open. We open that window sometimes. And so we want to bring awareness to the things that can open the window so we can shut those Amen. 
So don't you open up that window. We're not going to do that. We're going to find ways to shut that window. So leading into my topic today, I want to start off with a very famous scripture that I think just really paints the picture very well. And it's in 1 Peter 5, and most of y'all may know this, but it says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Yes, he does. Then it says, resist him firm in your faith. Come on, someone say Seiko. Stand firm. Firm in your faith. I feel like every time I preach, I find a way to throw Seiko in. I don't know what it is, but, you know, hey. (laughs) All right. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of what? Suffering. The same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Same kind of what? I told Nick, I I feel like sometimes you can read the same scripture over and over and you feel like you know it and then you read it and God just blows your mind with new revelation. Because Peter could have said anything right there. Knowing that the same kinds of sin, same kind of idol worshiping of idols is happening, same kind of whatever. No, he said suffering is being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. And so we have to understand that there are life circumstances that we can experience that can leave windows open for the devil if we're not careful. There are life circumstances that happen to us, and I'm not talking necessarily about the things that happen because of our sin, because let's be real, not everything is an attack from the enemy. Sometimes we just screwed up, and that's our life is is a representation of what decision we made. I'm not talking about that though today. I'm talking about the things that happened to us that didn't seem fair. The things that happened to us that we didn't deserve. Maybe the loss that you experienced, whether it was a loss of job, whether it was a loss of a family member, the different things that happened that we don't deserve and we don't understand why they happened. Sometimes, It can leave the window open for the enemy to creep in if we're not careful. So what kind of life circumstances open the window for the devil? And this is where that that really saturated word trauma comes into play. Really saturated word. I'm sure that we see this all over today. We see it in the news. We see it on social media. We hear it in our friend groups, in our mom groups. We hear it in the church. We hear it everywhere we go. Trauma, oh, this trauma I've been through, oh, that trauma they've been through. Trauma, trauma, trauma. Very, very saturated. But it's real, is it not? We all go through trauma. We will all experience suffering, just as Peter reminds us. So it was clearly so important for him to remind us because the devil's watching for it. We all go through trauma. And something I want to say before we get started on this topic, the topic of trauma, is that I know that this is a sensitive topic for a lot of people. I know that this can make some people uncomfortable because maybe you have never even talked about the trauma that you've been through. Maybe... um, you're still going through that. Maybe you are experiencing it. So I know that this is an uncomfortable topic. It is uncomfortable for myself too. I need you guys to know that. But it needs to be talked about because I do believe there is a reason that Peter felt the need to remind us that we need to be watchful over this because the enemy is waiting. He's waiting for that window to be opened. So, Trauma, I'd like to use a different word for that, or rather, soul injury. We're all going to experience soul injuries. And the word actually talks a lot about the difference between the body, the soul, and the spirit. And so I wanted to to provide some education around that distinction. But we are going to, when we experience a, a, a life event or a traumatic event, that affects the soul and we call it a soul injury. So we're going to start off with this scripture in 1 Thessalonians. It says this, and I actually use the message transliteration because I just thought it painted it beautifully, but look it up in whatever translation you have. May God himself, the God who makes 
everything. Yes, he does. Holy and whole. Make you holy and whole. He puts you together, spirit, soul, and body. And make you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Yes, he did. He made you whole and holy by spirit, soul, and body. So the nature of mankind is spirit, soul, and body. Do we all understand that this morning? Okay? And so when we're talking about the spirit and the soul and what affects these things, I want us to fully understand. So when I talk about a soul injury, you know exactly where I'm targeting, exactly what I'm referring to. So let's put this next slide up here that distinguishes the difference between the soul and the spirit. So soul, which is actually pronounced, it looks like psyche, but it's okay. The seat of, <laughs> yeah, they, act, they roll their tongue when they pronounce, I can't do that, I'm sorry, I love y'all, but the seat of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions, okay? This is, this is the original context behind that scripture I just showed you of, of the definitions of those words. Where spirit, pneuma, the vital principle by which the body is animated or the power by which human beings feel things and decide. So the soul is the seat of those feelings where the spirit is what empowers those things. Do y'all see the difference there? So we can understand that the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotion. And these traumatic events are events that injure the soul. They injure the soul, so they are called soul injuries. And I know that it looks different for everybody, and so I'm not here to study the things that are, you know, really can be considered traumatic or what shouldn't be considered traumatic. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Because I know we all go through it. And what affects me is going to look different from what affects you. But they are soul injuries and they affect the soul. And I think for so long the church has really avoided this topic because we just haven't found a way to get it right. And I may not even be perfect about speaking about it today, but I believe it's a start. I want us to be able to get this right so people can come in and they can get freedom from the soul injuries that they experience. Amen? I want that freedom. I want that continued freedom. Because the Lord, He is the foundation of that. Traumatic events are the events that injure the soul. So your question might be, and the question that I asked too is, okay, well how... Are these soul injuries leaving the window open for the devil to creep in? Because is it really the injury itself? Is it the event itself that leaves the window open? Or is it something else? And many of you know that I work in the world of functional medicine, which is just a more natural approach to medicine. An approach that really looks to address the root cause, not just put a band-aid on the symptoms. And so in my experience in functional medicine and, and our experience, Nick and I, in ministry, I felt that there were three things that can happen when we experience a traumatic event, a soul injury, that can leave the window open for the enemy to creep in. And so either the way that we experience it or the things that happen after, the things that stem from the soul injury are what can leave the window open. So let's throw this next scripture up here in Proverbs. Listen to this. Proverbs 22. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Leave this up here really quick. Listen, if, you, if you're reading Proverbs, there is scriptures. This one, I believe, is kind of uh, titled like Life and Conduct. Um, things that we should understand. And so I understand that these two scriptures right here, so you see this first part right here is a separate scripture than the train up your child. But I believe that there was great intention as to why they were written back to back. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of us know that children are, or your childhood is the most vulnerable point in your life? Our children do not know how to guard their souls. They do not know how to guard themselves. Children don't even know how to make food for themselves. 
Children don't even know. I mean, sometimes I feel like my children don't know how to get dressed. I don't know why, but I mean, Kennedy, no, she knows how to get dressed. That girl doesn't even let me pick out her outfits anymore. But children don't know how to guard their souls. So I believe there was incredible intention. Their childhood is the most vulnerable point of life because they have not been trained how to guard their souls yet. And parents, I, I pray that you would play, pay close attention to this because what an honor and a privilege it is for us to raise the next generation but we are commanded to train our children up and not just to show them the ways of the world in fact no we are commanded to show them how to guard their soul spiritually we look at our demolishing stronghold scripture for the year we should be training our kids how to take captive every thought that is a command and a responsibility that we have And so what I see is that when we experience soul injuries as kids, that is an incredible way that the, door, the window is left open. We have this questionnaire um, at work that when we meet someone for the first time, we actually go through like a 30-page application. It's a very, it's like an hour minimum review with them just to kind of get to know them, understand so we can figure out the root cause as to why they're here. And we have this questionnaire, it's called an ACE score, Adverse Childhood Experience Questionnaire. And this questionnaire goes through about 25 questions that can range from multiple different topics, whether it's uh, psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, maybe it was neglect, maybe it was uh, even just the loss of a parent in the home wanting to know, did you experience any of these things as a child? And the reason that this form exists is because researchers have found that when these specific things, so these specific questions have been experienced at a certain point in childhood, that if they have a score above, I believe it's a four, that it can negatively and will negatively impact their physical health as adults. What they found, though, is that it negatively impacts their physical health as adults so much so that it changes their DNA, which changes the generations to come after them. So we ask this because, again, we know how vulnerable that childhood is. And we can see the research showing how much of an impact it's having on our adulthood. So I believe just by even seeing those things and understanding what the word is telling us that by experiencing these soul injuries as children is a way to leave that window open because they don't know how to guard their souls from it and parents I don't want to guilt you or shame y'all listen I feel this pressure too we cannot keep our children protected from every little thing we're not going to be able to keep them from experiencing pain but yet what we have to do is we have to help them understand who is the healer, how we find healing. That is our duty. And guess what? It is inconvenient, but it is so important. And even just reminding ourselves as parents, put that scripture back up here in John 10, 10. His only intention, the devil's only intention is to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil has an inheritance for us, church, and it starts at the beginning of life. Understand that. I am very passionate about motherhood, especially starting in pregnancy, because I see way too many moms who struggle with depression, anxiety, or just hate being pregnant, or, or even after the child is born, I can't connect with my child, and I know that hormones play a role in this. I've experienced it myself, but I also believe that pregnancy is so spiritual, motherhood is so spiritual, and the devil is out for my child, that when I become pregnant, he's out for my child. You cannot have my child. So we have to talk about this. So it's important to ask ourselves that. Did we experience something in childhood? Because I was a vulnerable kid then. I didn't necessarily know how to guard my soul at that point. The next thing that I think that can happen from a traumatic event that can lead to the window be open is, is the loss of identity. Put the scripture up here. It says, then God said in Genesis, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
Let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that keeps going. So God created man in his own image. Yes, he did. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were created in God's image. We are rooted in his DNA. When I gave my heart, my soul, my life to him as Lord and Savior, I was adopted as an heir into receiving the crown of glory. I am his daughter. We are children of God. Amen. What we know, though, when soul injuries happen, what we've seen is that the brain doesn't just shut down. If you look at the science of this, your brain doesn't just shut down. It doesn't just stop working. It becomes paralyzed. So the brain becomes paralyzed and the, the memory of these soul injuries, of these life circumstances, life events, replay over and over and over in our mind to the point where it becomes our reality, even if the threat has been removed. So again, sometimes we see veterans come back from war and they, they don't feel like they know where they fit in because they feel like they've just done this one thing. And again, they may have nightmares. They may have PTSD that they're struggling with where it's just the only reality that they know that they feel like they've lost their identity. We see that a lot in what we do. But I believe that that's something that can happen in a lot of life circumstances. I've actually heard that from a lot of people that Nick and I have either done um, prayer ministry with, deliverance ministry with, is that they feel like they've lost this identity of who they are based on the things that they've experienced. And to be honest, you know, the devil loves that. The devil loves when we forget who we are. And that's where we have to remind ourselves, I am a child of God no matter what happens to me. I take captive that thought that I don't know who I am. I am a child of God. You see, the thing about that is that we have to remember is that the enemy cannot steal our salvation. He can't walk through that door anymore, so he's got to find another way. But if the devil cannot take your salvation, he will use his schemes to cause doubt about who you are and hope that you will completely sever your connection with the vine. See, at that point, he doesn't have to do anything. Because if he can just confuse you and remind you that you don't have an identity anymore, that your only identity is in what you experience, it's in the trauma that you face, you will se sever the connection yourself. So that loss of identity that can happen from these life events really can leave the window open. Does that make sense to y'all? And the last one is this. I want to start out with the scripture in Galatians 5. It says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and other things like these, because there's apparently a lot, too many to list. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you may be thinking, why did I use this scripture? Because these things are real that we struggle with, people. These things are real, and if you think that you're so amazing that you don't struggle with any of this, I would ask you to take a heart check, a prideful check. We all struggle with it, just some of us don't like to talk about it. It's what it is. But what happens when we face a life event, a traumatic event, a soul injury, is oftentimes those things are out of our control. When my brother got sick when I was in high school, that was out of my control. When he had to do open heart surgeries, round after round of chemo, that was out of my control. So what happens is when we face trauma, is we try to find something to do or something to be that is in our control. Our flesh wants to find something that we can control so we can hold on to. And sometimes that may mean that it leads you to a bottle. Because you can control that, right? Sometimes it means you open up a computer, watch something inappropriate, just so you can feel the momentary high of endorphins to at least feel good and numb the pain. Sometimes it leads to severe fear and isolation because you say, if I lock myself in this house, no one can hurt me. I can control that. 
It leads us to cutting off all kinds of relationships because I'm going to control how you hurt me. But that only leads to strongholds. That only leads to unforgiveness. That only leads to anger and bitterness. That only leads to severe anxiety and fear and worry. That only leads to addiction, sexual immorality, impurity. It only leads to strongholds when you try to contain it and control it. And I know how easy it is. I do. I told you in the beginning how I was at a point in my life that was so dark that I found myself on my knees all the time. That was in the midst of trying to control the grief that I faced when my brother died. That was it. And I know that Nick jokes around all the time that I'm like the prodigal daughter, but I, I am, I, I, I am. Because I was trained in a way, but I wanted to control the trauma. I wanted to control the soul injury because I didn't want to have to deal with it. And because of that, that only led to more soul injuries. Because of that, I faced sexual assault. Because of that, I faced drunkenness, all kinds of things that led to stronghold after stronghold because I wanted to just find a way to control it. And it only led to more injury. So I believe that when soul injuries happen, that it's very easy that strongholds happen. And that's what can lead to leaving the window open. So childhood, loss of identity, and strongholds. That's how we leave the window open for the enemy to creep in after soul injuries. And I know that this is serious and I know that this is sensitive, but I also want us to leave feeling encouraged this morning. I need you guys to know that if there's something that happened to you that you didn't deserve or if there was a lack of something that should have happened, that our God is a healer. He is so good. He wants to heal. He wants to, again, he wants us to get this right and understand this right because he is so much for you. This is the year of demolishing these strongholds, demolishing these things that have held you down for so long. He wants to restore you. And I am a product of that. I'm a product in motion. I'm a product that's still in, at work. But I am. I have a wonderful husband, two beautiful kids, one on the way. I'm a product of that. I don't live in that life anymore. As I told you, I am washed by the water. So he wants that for you. And so I want to spend time in the Word this morning just showing that. Just showing you how much he wants that for you. So we're going to open up to John 5. Would you guys open up with me? And some of you may know this scripture. This is actually one of my favorite accounts during Jesus' ministry. And this is about the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And we can throw this scripture up here. John 5, John 5 in the beginning. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish, Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five cover colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Stop there. Don't, don't go any further. I wanted, to, I wanted to stop here because, again, I want us to see a time of, of great healing, but I also need us to be aware of the little details too that can happen when we are surrounded by trauma, when we're surrounded by soul injuries. So you see this part right here. Here is a great number of disabled people who used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. You see church, the world is crowded with trauma ralliers. The world is crowded with people who are just want you to know what their trauma has been, what they've been affected by. Because again, it starts to become their reality. So that's what we see all the time, all on social media, everywhere we look. It's like, here's the trauma I've been through. Every patient I see, I, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. You don't understand what I've experienced. And honestly, some of it I don't. They're not wrong. But at the same time, we have to understand that if we are just going to sit in trauma, we eventually will start to surround ourselves in trauma. And then it starts to create a trauma rally where people just lie and do nothing. 
The world is crowded with trauma ralliers. And this isn't about, this isn't me telling you not to share, but we also have to understand why we've been called to testify. I don't stand up here just to talk about my brother dying, just to talk about the, the sexual assault or the things that I faced, just so y'all know. And in fact, I don't enjoy that. It's a very hard thing for me. Nick, in fact, tells me all the time to stop shutting down. And that will look at me and be like, I know what you're doing right now when I start to be like, mm, I'm out of here. I do it because I know what God has done for me. I share my trauma. I share my soul injury with you because I know that God has delivered me. I know what he's done. And I also shared it with my husband. I shared it with people I trusted back then because I needed to bring it to the foot of Jesus. So let's ask ourselves, why do we need to share the soul injury? Not just be a trauma rallier. I made that word up, by the way. There's a lot of people who will just sit and lie in their trauma and they want you to sit with them. It keeps going here. One who was there had been uh, invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Someone say that. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Church! The instructions are right here. It's right there for us. We've gotten it wrong for so many years. And again, I know that we're talking about a physical paralyzed man, a physical injury right now. But your mental health, your emotional health, that is physical. I already explained that to you how that works. Those soul injuries affects your, affect your physical health. When we experience those things, that paralyzes the brain. And so for so long, we've looked at people with chronic depression, with chronic anxiety, with addiction, and say, just get over it. But their mind is paralyzed. But look all that Jesus does. What if we just looked at people and said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to be free? Because you can. Because you can. He wouldn't ask it if it wasn't possible. Do you want to get well? So church, let's get it right. Ask yourself, ask others, do you want to be well? Dr. Tressler, even in your practice, asking people, do you want to be well? You guys are some of the first people that taught me that, how to get to the root. Do you want to be well? It says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, look at this answer. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He just literally complained to Jesus, which, you know, so I do all the time, so I can't be judgmental here, okay? Someone else goes down ahead of me. But he had literally been paralyzed in his trauma for so long that he had lost all hope, even when he was standing in front of the source. There are so many times in Jesus' ministry where people just saw him and fell to their knees because they could just feel it. They could just see it. But he was so paralyzed. His mind was so paralyzed that he didn't even recognize it. So I have to remind you, don't be paralyzed in this moment. I mean, even if you are paralyzed, even if you feel like your mind is paralyzed, even if you feel like you can't breathe, so remind yourself that he is the source that he can and do what he says. Jehovah Rapha, the healer, he can and will heal every and all disease. So even if you feel paralyzed, even if your mind is paralyzed from the, the soul injury, he can make you well. He can. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Someone say that. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. It's so simple. It's so simple. Pick up your mat and walk. Jesus healed this man of his injury, of his soul injury, of his physical injury. 
But the man had to take the responsibility and pick up his mat before he left because he needed to, again, we need to be reminded that we're never going back to that place. Many of you know that when I was young, I struggled with epilepsy, so I had a lot of different seizures and stuff, and again, that really was traumatic for my family. Oftentimes, it was severe in the middle of the day. My mom always, we joke about it now, but when I had one of my worst seizures, her and my dad were picking out the new siding for the house that they were building, and we always tease my parents that the siding of the house is really ugly, and my mom's like, that was Emily's fault because the school called us and she had a terrible seizure, and we just said, that one left. So they, we joke about it now, but because I have been healed. I have not had a seizure since I was seven years old. But I remember a very specific time. I was telling Nick this. This is a core memory in my life where my pastor at the time came up. We were having a worship service one night, and he came up to me, and he shared a scripture with me, and I don't remember the exact scripture that he shared, but I remember he specifically told me. I was probably seven, eight years old at this time. He told me, Emily, the Lord told me that I need to remind you that you're never going back there. I need to remind you that you're never having a seizure again. You do not need to worry about having a seizure again. You do not need to fear about it. I, I, that is a core memory, even more so than the memories of having seizures at this point. I remember that most. You're never going back there. Jesus healed his injury, but he told him, pick up your mat before you go because you're never coming back. So some of us in, in the soul injuries that we have, he can and he will heal that. But you have the responsibility to pick up your mat before you go because you're never going back. You're never going back. You're never going back to that, to that fear, to that bottle, to that screen, to that isolation. You're never going back. You're not going back to those old ways, Caleb washed by the water you were washed by the water literally and heart wise you're never going back jesus restores to full health amen all right, this scripture finishes up. It keeps going. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Okay, this guy starts walking after 38 years and that's what they care about. All right, all right. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat, walk. So I had to listen. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. I love it. Very subtle, Jesus. <laughs> very subtle, very humble. The one thing I wanted to point out here really quick is that there will be some people that just don't understand the healing of Jesus. There's going to be some people sitting here today that probably don't understand why we're talking about this, why we're talking about soul injuries. Some people either aren't going to like it because they don't want to share the injuries that they faced. Maybe you've held on to that since you were a little kid. Some people may just not understand the compassion of Jesus like these, like these Pharisees. We have, to get, we have to understand that. If you're waiting to be healed, for everyone to understand that, you're going to be waiting forever. Some of those people may be in your own family. Listen, we cannot wait for that. There's always going to be Pharisees around us. They just won't understand it. But do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Some people just won't understand it. Honestly. I had so many friends that didn't understand why my life was changing towards the end of my college career. They'd, I had friends literally tell me, why are you marrying this pastor? They loved Nick. They didn't, it wasn't like they had anything against him. They thought he was a great guy when he'd come to visit, but they didn't understand that. I literally had two friends specifically pull me aside and said, this isn't you. Which really, in reality, as I look back, is really sad because I grew up, my parents trained me well. So it's really sad that they didn't understand that about me. Some people just won't get it. They won't understand when you've been healed. They won't see that. And that's okay. That's okay. Don't wait, a, don't wait around for that though, okay? Don't wait around for it. Don't wait around. Lastly, and honestly, this part I think is going to blow your mind because I feel like I, I've 
probably skipped over this portion. I did not realize this. Later that day, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So you may read the end of the scripture and be like, oh, well, like that was kind of like a, you know, Jesus, you heal me, but you had to end it that way. Like, but no, I love how encouraging this is because Jesus does remind us. And he, as he reminded this man who faced this soul injury that, listen, stop sinning so you don't disconnect yourself from the vine. Don't do this because he understand what can, he understood what can continue to create soul injuries. As I said, sometimes there are things that happen to us because they just happen. Sometimes there are things that happen to us because of our own sin. So he knew that that paralyzed point maybe was just something that happened, but he also said, I need to warn you of what could happen if you, if you separate yourself from what God's word says. Okay, so it is so important that we talk about that too, just as Nick talked about in the beginning of the series. And he also encouraged him to keep pressing on. Jesus warns him of the consequences of sin and reminds him to push forward. Listen, I have to tell you that if you've put something up on that victory wall, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've been baptized, please push forward. Don't let the Red Sea moment be the only moment. God doesn't want to stop there. He wants to restore you to full health. The word tells us to work out our salvation. Amen? So let's continue to walk this out, to work it out with the Lord and what he wants to do. So as we follow up this word, again, I, I told you guys, I want to encourage you in this. I don't want this to leave you feeling like with lost hope. And again, we saw a man be healed, so I know it's possible. I want you to feel encouraged because whether you have not never shared the trauma before, the soul injury before, or whether you feel like you're enduring it right now, I want to give you hope. I want you to know that it is possible for you to get well. And I want to give you the opportunity to take that too. So what does the Lord promise to do in the midst of a soul injury? Because he's present with us always. Amen, church? He is always there. He is always with us. I know that even in the midst of the darkest times that I went through, that he was with me. But I just didn't see it. I didn't understand it. So I want to bring attention to what he promises to do in the midst of a soul injury. And the first thing is this, he will lift you up, amen? He will lift you up. Put the scripture up here. This is the, literally the foundation for healing. This is a prophetic word of what God was sending his son to do, Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Keep going. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Someone say that. Say the Lord's favor is on me. Amen. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all, those, all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Amen. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former de devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. He will lift you up. He will lift us up. And I love that he uses that word in the beginning of the scripture, brokenhearted. He's come for the brokenhearted. This commentary reads it like this. A word covering any and every human breakdown, emotional prostration, and conviction of sin. The Lord has come to cover that. The Lord is the foundation of healing, and he will bind up any injury that you could ever endure. He will bind up all of your soul injuries, church. He will lift you up. Even in the darkest times, he wants to lift you up. He wants to remind you what he sent his son to do for you, to set you free. Second thing is this, he will break every chain. Come on, someone say it. That's like the Pentecostal in me coming out. He will break every chain, but he will though. He wants to set you free from bondage. 
He wants to get you out of that prison cell of unforgiveness. He will break every single chain. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Not only is he going to remove the soul injury, the trauma, but he can burst any bonds that were created in that paralyzed time. Some of you are facing chains and bonds that were created due to generational trauma. He can burst that apart, church. He's in the business of it. Some of you may not even understand. Nick and I have literally been in prayer ministry and, again, deliverance with people before who didn't necessarily understand why they were dealing with certain strongholds because it ran in their family. And I often hear that even in my practice at work. It's just like, oh, anxiety, fear, terror. These things run in my family. Like my mom had it. My mom had mental illnesses. Her mom had mental illnesses or physical things too. It just runs in the family. But God is in the business of, of bursting bonds apart, of breaking generational bondage. Yes, he is. My husband is very transparent about uh, the, the porn addiction that was honestly ran in his family. And the fact that my son is the same age that he was when he first started watching porn. And my son will never have to endure that. That is birth, that has got bursting bonds apart in the name of Jesus. That is, I tell him all the time, there's something to be proud of. That is, that is enough reason to give glory to God for the healer that he is. Because he does heal soul injuries all the time. And he bursts those generational bonds apart. He will break every single chain. Yes, he will. And I know he's breaking chains even far beyond what we can witness and understand. Nick has seen bondage broken. Even He's been delivered from porn for a long time, but he's seen bondage, even more bondage and deliverance since then. Because God is in the business of getting to the roots. Amen? He will do a new thing. Someone say, new thing. He is doing a new thing. He is always doing a new thing. God wants to do more for you. He wants to do something new in you. The new has come, the old has passed away, amen? Second Corinthians says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Nick, didn't you just preach on the renewing of your mind, right? It's constant, it is still happening, right? We are being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison, yes it is. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I listened to this song this week, and it's called Still Everything. And the bridge is so beautiful, and it just encouraged me, even in writing this message. And it said, no hard place will ever silence my praise. That was the whole bridge. So again, I know, and even as we studied the difference between the soul and the spirit, the soul is the mind, the will, and emotion, right? It's the seat in which those things sit. But the spirit is what powers that. So no soul injury we face will ever compare to the crown of glory that we will receive if we do not give up. You can walk by your soul injury or you can walk by the spirit. My soul injury doesn't define who I am. I walk by the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm a temple for Him to reside. I am a temple for Him to reside. Lastly, He will remind us that His love and glory will never fail. The scripture in Lamentations, I love this. It starts with literally a loss of hope here. My soul is bereft of peace. It's lack of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. How many of us have felt that? I feel that. So my, has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings. The wormwood in the gulp. Literally remembering the trauma right there. 
My soul continually remembers it. Yes, the mind, when it's paralyzed, it continuously replays it over and over. And it's bowed down within me, rock bottom. But this I call to mind. Ooh, that only comes with spirit. Come on. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Come on. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Says my soul. Interesting. Therefore I will hope in him. Again, I remind you that he, no matter what life event happens, no matter what soul injury, no hard place, no rock bottom, no soul injury will ever, or can't ever silence my praise at this point. And I want to encourage you in that, that even if you are in the darkest of times, even if you've never shared that deep, dark injury that you face, that that doesn't have to stop you from praising the Lord. No hard place will ever silence my praise. That's how good God is. So my last question for you is this, to end, to end the service. Is there anything holding you back from shutting these windows? Is the secret of holding in your soul injury holding you back? Some of us have never talked about that before. I, I've talked about my history of epilepsy. I've talked about my history of losing my brother. I don't really talk about the sexual assault that I faced. It's not that I'm not wanting to share it, but I know that there's, there's pain around that. There's stuff I, I'm working through on that. I didn't even realize I had to work through it. It was kind of brought to my attention in the last couple months. So is there anything that's holding you back from shutting these windows? Maybe it's not wanting to share it. Maybe you just haven't shared it in the right way or with the right people. Maybe you haven't had a safe place to share it. And I'm sorry if that is the case. The church should always be a safe place. This place is a place for the broken, for the sinners, for the lost. And I pray that this would be a place that would be safe for you to bring that, to bring it to the Lord's feet, to his presence. And I will tell you, if you're someone who is not safe, I will let you know. I tell all my church girls that every time we meet that it's a safe place that if I hear that anyone is not making it a safe place they won't be welcome and I mean that because I take that personally because I need that safe place too but I also pray that this church wouldn't be a church that just stops at the one moment I pray that we wouldn't just be here for us. I pray that we would continue to find that healing so we can testify and tell what God has done so that more people who are lost and broken and have soul injuries can come in and find that hope. And my warning for us is that if you don't share these things with the right people, you won't be able to live the full life that Jesus has promised you. Again, the devil cannot steal your salvation, but he will try to take every experience that the Lord has for you. And he can if we let him, if we open the window, so you can allow this soul injury that you face or multiple soul injuries that you face, allow those windows to be open or you can shut them today. So Judd's gonna come up here in a moment and, and he's gonna lead us through altar call. He's gonna lead us through communion. But I just wanna offer a time that if you need prayer, that we would love to pray for you. We have Nick, and we can even, again, we can stand off to the side. Yvette can stand off to the side here. We have a prayer team who can pray with you and walk you through. And whether it's, again, talking about that soul injury, I just want to offer that to you guys. Because this is a place where you can find healing. But don't let the enemy have any land that he doesn't deserve to have. Amen? I know this was a heavy topic, but I pray that you leave today filled with hope, filled with understanding that even if you're going through it, even if you've never shared it, that the Lord does want to heal you. Do you want to get well? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you that, God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are a great healer, Father, and you want to restore us to full health, God. 
God, I pray for anyone today who might be struggling with the soul injuries, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, Father God, we know it's one and the same, God, and we know that you can heal every and all, God. God, I pray that if there's anyone who has experienced injury in their childhood, Father God, God, I just pray right now that the mind would not be paralyzed any longer, Father God. God, I pray that both the, the left and the right lobe of the brain would have to be able to function in the name of Jesus, God. God, I pray that as they bring those injuries to you, that literally those traumatic memories would have to dry up in the name of Jesus, God. God, I pray that it would be replaced with your word, with your understanding, God. I pray that it would be replaced with forgiveness, for obedience, God. Whatever you have with your joy, Father God, I thank you, God, that you are lifting us up, God, that you're reminding us who you are, God. I pray that if there's anyone with a loss of identity this morning, that they would leave knowing who they are, that they've been created in you, rooted in your DNA, God, that nothing, nothing they experience can take that away, Lord. God, I pray that if there's continually strongholds that need to be broken, that you are demolishing those, God, that we would give those to you today. I pray that we would see more freedom on the freedom wall, God, that you have more for us, that it doesn't stop at the one thing, God, that it would just keep going, that you would keep moving in us, keep releasing things. So we thank you, Father. God, I just pray that you would just give us a time of hope and, and complete blessing after hearing this, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We hope you were able to draw closer to him today and can walk away with a deeper knowledge of his word. At CORE, we believe you aren't meant to do life alone. Visit us at corechurch.com to learn more about how to get involved with our community through serving opportunities and our weekly events.